another. Try that. That's better. Okay. For many Americans, the college admission process is an oppressive and extraordinarily stressful area of life. A number of years ago, two best friends, Wayne and Dave, applied for early admission at the same college. That December, Wayne was accepted and Dave was deferred. The next four months, during which Dave waited for the final ruling, looked very different and very similar for each of them. They, took, they both took basically the same classes and had the same homework load. They spent time with many of the same people socially, but they were also a couple of key differences. No longer under the pressure of needing to perform well, Wayne decided to branch out in his extracurricular activities. He started band and got into rock climbing, even pioneered a program teaching underprivileged kids in the community how to climb. Meanwhile, Dave got involved in a bunch of extracurricular activities that he'd never been involved with before, stuff that he thought might boost his chances of getting into his dream college. By the end of the semester, Dave was exhausted and Wayne was full of energy. Although Dave did well and kept up his grades, Wayne got the best grades of his high school career. Freed from having to play it safe, he wrote his papers about topics he was genuinely interested in, rather than the ones he thought the teacher would be interested and appreciate. And it showed on the page. Their paths may not have looked very different to the outside eye, but one of these guys was carrying a huge burden of expectation, and one wasn't. No wonder it felt like such a slog for Dave. So am I exhausted trying to win God's acceptance, carrying that burden of expectations? Or am I full of energy, the energy that comes from knowing that I've already been accepted? It's a done deal. I can try something new and it's okay to fail knowing that grace is freely available from my Father. Today I want to talk about prayer. We think of prayer as something Christians are supposed to do. We know it's important. The Bible says so. Jesus prayed. He taught his disciples to pray. I should pray more, we tell ourselves, whenever we hear a good sermon on the topic or hear a great testimony of answered prayer. We want to see God move. We want to see other people come to know the good news of God's grace. We want to see things happen. Good things. God things. We believe prayer makes a difference. Or do we? Really? Prayer is a conundrum to me. It's as simply defined as talking with God. And as complex a subject that there are whole books written about it. It's practiced in so many different ways. After 60 plus years as a Christian, I still don't feel like I've got a handle on prayer. The Bible talks a whole lot about prayer, and there's lots of different prayers and different kinds of prayer recorded in both the Old and New Testament. Jesus said, ask and keep on asking. 
Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And if you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. He said, if you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, surely your heavenly father will give good gifts to his children. He encourages us to pray. Often on over the last few years, I've been asking Holy Spirit to teach me to pray. What do I mean? I've been praying for all my life. I talk to God. I thank him for his grace and blessings. I pray for my family and friends. I pray in tongues. Praise him for his creation. Yet I still feel that my prayer life is rather haphazard and random, bumbling along. Maybe that's okay. Maybe he is teaching me to pray. Maybe it's more about relationship with him than it is about the shoulds. I should do more. I should be more consistent. But I still want to see those good things, those God things happening more in my life, in my family, in our church family. There's so many needs and God doesn't seem to be doing a great deal about them. Every now and then we see something that I want to see more. So how do we get things done in God's kingdom? First of all, we have to know that we are enough. We are loved, accepted, a precious child of God before we've even done anything. Anything we do, even prayer, is part of our response to his grace. Getting things done in God's upside down kingdom isn't all up to us. It's not all dependent on our performance. It's not all about working hard. It also includes prayer, that activity that doesn't seem to achieve anything much. He doesn't do it all without us either. He's called us to be co-workers with him, to work alongside him. Getting things done in God's kingdom includes listening to his voice and following his direction. Sometimes it involves risk-taking, stepping out in faith. We can do this when we remember that we're already accepted into his program. Sometimes getting things done involves submission to our leaders and following direction. Sometimes it means working together. Sometimes he has individual tasks for us. Sometimes it involves persistence when we can't see any progress. Sometimes it means seeing wonderful miracles. And sometimes we just don't understand the why. Sometimes it involves that upside-down kingdom stuff called prayer. Do you feel like me? I don't seem to be achieving much with praying. I'm sure you've heard of the goose that laid the golden egg. I'll tell you the story. There was once a countryman who possessed the most wonderful goose you can imagine. For every day when he visited the nest, the goose had laid a beautiful, glittering golden egg. The countryman took the eggs to the market and soon began to get rich. But it was not long before he grew impatient with the goose 
because she gave him only a single golden egg a day. He was not getting rich fast enough. Then one day, after he'd finished counting his money, the idea came to him that he could get all the golden eggs at once by killing the goose and cutting it open. But when the deed was done, not a single golden egg did he find, and his precious goose was dead. I was reading a book this week that mentioned this story, and it struck me at the time that prayer is a bit like that golden goose. If we feed the goose of prayer every day and care for it, it provides for us. But if you're anything like me, you'd rather pray once and have God give you all the answers straight away. This waiting patiently every day and seeing God answer bit by bit is not how I want God to work. <laughs> but giving up, killing or even just neglecting that goose means the eggs won't come. You see, our Father's more interested in the process than in the outcome. He uses the golden goose of prayer to lay the daily golden eggs of growing, learning, maturing in my life. In the words of Thomas Paine, one of America's founding fathers, that which we obtain too easily, we esteem too lightly. Is this expensiveness only which gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price on its goods. Praying isn't just about getting results. It's about building relationship with Holy Spirit. That closeness is one of the amazing goods of heaven that has a price. Jesus spent time in prayer. What do you think he did during that time? Did he simply repeat the psalms and the set prayers that the Jews normally pray? Mostly the gospel writers don't tell us what Jesus prayed, but they do tell us that he prayed. He went away by himself to pray, and sometimes he prayed when there were others around. Luke tells us when all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bold bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. I don't ever remember reading that bit about him praying when he was baptised before. And yet he was praying and God Answer. In chapter 9 of Luke, since Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flashing light. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. Peter and James and John sound a bit like us. They're obviously not really getting into this praying thing. Or perhaps it had just been going too long. Either way, Luke goes on to say, Peter and his companions had fallen asleep. And when they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. I've also read many testimonies of God's presence coming, particularly in evident when people have been in prayer 
or when others are praying for them. This is an excerpt from the biography of the great American evangelist D.L. Moody. The year 1871 was a critical one in Mr. Moody's career. An intense hunger and thirst for spiritual power were aroused in him by two women who used to attend the meetings and sit on the front seat. He could see by the expression on their faces that they were praying. At the close of services, they would say to him, we've been praying for you, Mr. Moody. Why don't you pray for the people, Mr. Moody would ask. Because you need the power of the Spirit, they would say. I need the power? Why, said Mr. Moody in relating the incident years later, I thought I had power. I had the largest congregations in Chicago and there were many conversions. I was in a sense satisfied. But right along, those two godly women kept praying for me. And their earnest talk about anointing for special service set me to thinking. I asked them to come and talk with me. And they poured out their hearts in prayer that I might receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. There came a great hunger into my soul. I did not know what it was. I began to cry out as, if I'd never did, as I never did before. I really felt that I did not want to live if I could not have the, this power for service. The book then tells of the great Chicago fire when Moody's church was burnt down. Many, many people lost their, their homes. And of uh, Moody's relief work, helping people who'd lost their homes. And of his, his visiting the eastern states of America to uh, ask for funds to help his work. Then his story goes on. My heart was not in the work of begging, because he, he did a lot of going to the rich people and saying, I need some money to help people, I need some money for this ministry. I could not appeal. I was crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. When one day, in the city of New York, oh, what a day, I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It's almost too sacred an experience to name. Paul had an experience of which he never spoke for 14 years. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths and yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me all the world. Maybe sometimes we don't see answers because we're too vague and casual about our requests. Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, uh, he's got two prayers in his letter, are very specific and passionate. In the chapter 1 he says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. 
I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. Paul doesn't sound like this is a one-off, casual, bless those people in the church at Ephesus, Lord. Listen to him again in chapter 3. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Oh, it's too great to understand fully. It all, if all this sounds way too clever for you, perhaps we should just use these prayers that are there and pray them for our family and friends. Is this what you want for them? Is this what God wants for them? To understand how wide and long and deep God's love is? To experience his love? To be empowered with inner strength through the Holy Spirit? For them to understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him? Does it make any difference if I pray this way rather than just, God, please bless my brother, sister, friend, enemy? In Acts 3, we read it about Peter and John healing the lame beggar who sat at the gate of the temple. This beggar is so excited about his healing. He's leaping about, shouting and making a hullabaloo. People are coming from all directions to see what all the fuss is about. They can't believe it. This man who's been sitting here for years, a dirty, lame beggar, is now jumping around in the temple courtyard, praising God. Peter takes the opportunity to preach to them. But the Jewish high council are very disturbed by Peter's claims that Jesus has been raised from the dead and salvation can only come through Jesus. They thought they'd put an end to all this nonsense when Jesus was crucified. They send the temple guard to arrest Peter and John and put them in jail. However, the council have a problem. They don't dare punish Peter and John because the people are all so excited about the beggar's amazing healing. So the council end up having to let them go with a stern warning to stop preaching about Jesus. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. Listen to this prayer that they prayed. O Sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why are the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. Rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. Which is a quote from Psalm 2. And they went on to say, In fact, 
This has happened here this very, in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants, not protection, but great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. They're passionate. They start off their prayer with a bold declaration of who God is, the great creator. They use the scriptures in their prayer. They declare God's plan and power. Then they don't pray for protection but for boldness, boldness and miracles. God answered their prayers. The meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached with boldness. What a prayer meeting. It'd be scary, wouldn't it, if the whole building starts to shake when we start to pray. Holy Spirit has been challenging me for a while about coming to the church here to pray once a week. I ignored the idea for as long as I could, hoping it was just a passing thought. But it grew stronger rather than fading away. So I'm going to come here and the church will be open for prayer, specifically for our families, unsaved families and friends, and for our town. Most of us seem to have some family who are not, who don't know Jesus or are having difficulties. And I believe God wants to move in this area. I also believe God wants us to pray for Macclesfield. Macclesfield has a history of being an alternative lifestyle place with all the various interests and activities that come with that title. There was a bit of a move of God here in the 70s, but now many of the houses I see as I walk around town have Buddhist prayer flags hanging out the front. If you'd like to be involved in this prayer group, or you think God wants you to be, it would be helpful if you talk to me after the service so we can choose a time that suits. Then we can ask permission from the Anglicans to use the church or the hall. I was thinking maybe a Sunday evening may be a possibility. If you're interested, but you, like me, don't think you're any good at praying, I give you this quote. Intention is everything. Trying is more than enough. To try to pray is to pray. It's the same with meditation or anything that involves giving up and trusting God. My job is to simply, intentionally put myself here in the sacred space, in the sacred time. I understand that not everyone's wired this way or called to this kind of ministry. But if you are, I think you'll enjoy it. I'll endeavour to provide inspiration and guidance for our prayer times. We will pray in tongues. We will pray the scriptures. 
We will have thanksgiving and worship as well as intercession. We will spend time with Holy Spirit together and try to be honest and real. We will endeavour to pray from a position of understanding that we're already accepted. And we just want to spend time with him, working with him to see his will done and his upside down kingdom come. or revivals, both great and small, that have happened over the years, have been preceded by faithful prayer, often by a very small group of people. I don't really understand why God chooses this way, but perhaps it's not our asking, but something to do with us recognising and declaring our need for his power, his intervention. He said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Holy Spirit, we need you. We want to see lives changed. Guide us. We cannot change hearts, but you can. Help us to faithfully work with you. Amen. <coughs>